जाहे जाहे आहे जाहे जाहे आहे हे याहिया हे याहिया जाहे 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 आहे जाहे जाहे आहे हाय दिस इज रॉबर्ट शुलर विद मेलिसस प्रोड्यूस एंड यू आर लिसनिंग इन ऑन कोर्ड बाइंड्स एंड डाई This is Kalai Parish and you're listening to Chords, Vines and Dimes. Hello mom, smile sound kind of funny, but I find it's been craving the sunshine, honey. Hold on to Where my sweet are we left? There's something in your eyes that's making me miss sweet music for the soul, silence for a show, crystal clear the waters with a never-ending flow. Here we go. These are the seasons are calling me home. Slow down the clock, sand in my toes. Fill up this cup and never let this day end. These islands, these islands are calling again. Good afternoon. You're listening to Chords, Finds, and Dines, and I am Kat Ellis with my Hi. host, <laughs> out of town host, Mr. Tom Plant. On the road again. Hi there, Kat. I'm uh, I'm Napa bound as we speak. Yes, you are. How much wine are you drinking? Enough. <laughs> Enough. I'm catching up with my uh, longtime dear friend, Sandy Belcher, who is the winemaker at Arns, A-R-N-S Winery in Napa, and she's known as one of the uh, top Cabernet Sauvignon producers, not in Napa, not in California, but in the world. Wow. That's incredible. I love yeah, her and wine. I do, too, and I, I, and I love her. She's just an amazing woman, and... Her husband John are uh, just a great couple. Oh, they are. I've met them before, and they are. They're wonderful people. So well, we got, got to hang out in their party. kitchen. Yes, we did, and drank wine. Do you imagine that doing that in Napa Valley? <laughs> you bet. Our official food sponsor, <laughs> Melissa's Produce. Yes, I was just saying we got to thank them. Uh, we've got some wonderful. Pro- I still got to go on their website and pick out what I'm going to to make for May. So I'm going to pick out something good, really exciting. Because everything on their menu is good. All their produce is wonderful. It is your turn, and I uh, cooked up some of those purple potatoes tonight. Uh, What I did was put them in the air fryer, got them till they were nice and soft, and then uh, mushed them up, put a little butter, and seasoned them up, and oh, my goodness, are they tasty. I did that, too, um, for our breakfast. I kind of cut them up in little pieces and kind of air fried them and made a really good breakfast uh, compliment with eggs. They are purple, aren't they? They are purple. And (laughs) they eat your color, you know, That's right. I am definitely eating those. They are really good. Little tiny things, but they are so cute. They're good. Real tasty. Melissa's.com. Uh, we just listened uh, to a little bit of These Islands by one of our Hawaiian guests. 
Kalai Parish. What a nice visit we had with him. Yes, we did. I met him uh, or learned of him through another friend of mine, Jim, who is his uh, manager agent. And we're going to be going uh, to listen to some more Hawaiian music when you come back from Napa. We're going to be going to the Coconut, Dad Coconut Cafe and listening to another Hawaiian artist that we'll probably have on our show, too. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up. And then um, you want to talk about your friend Paul? Yes, I met Paul. I'll let, I'll say it so you don't have to. Paul Kalem Kiarian. Paul is the uh, owner and uh, his dad was the founder of the original Wine of the Month Club. And he has tasted over, drumroll please, 100,000 wines. Ah. Oh, my gosh. Super nice yeah. guy. I, I've spent time with him at the Wine of the Month Club uh, headquarters. I believe that's in Monrovia out near uh, Azusa. And he's just so easygoing. And uh, I told him I wanted to come visit. He said, send me a text. Stop by. We'll drink some wine. And so we we need to do that, Kat. Yeah, we're going to do that. And I think that's very doable. So let's plan that. And then, too, we... Um, Start, we're going to start off the show with, uh, this is very, very interesting and different for us, uh, Dave Valle, uh, a Native American Apache, actually, and he came over and cleansed my house. We went through a ritual, and then I did a little interview with him afterwards to talk about it all. So this is very interesting. Um We'll get into that. Should we go right into that now? Let's do that. You're listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines. This is Cat Ellis, and I'm here with Dave Valle. Yes, ma'am. Well, we just got through doing a cleanse of the house, and this whole thing has been so interesting. You are an Apache Indian. Yes, from Arizona. And you started with the... Um, the grass, the what was it? Sweet grass. Sweet grass. That's right. Which, which means. And that was all braided. Now, do you do yes. that, or do you get it that way? Where, yes. where do you get sweet grass? You can order it uh, through Montana. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, what did the sweet? Gr- I, I'm, I'm kind of going, uh, bouncing all over because there were so many things going at once. But you started with the sweet grass. Yes. That that, that allows you to let the, the entities around you know that you're aware of them. Okay. Uh, the good and bad, the black and white, the yin and yang, the good and mischievous. Because I never said um, totally devilish or anything like that. Because you know what? Everything has something good in it, no matter what it is. So we started this outside of the house. Yes. And then you, then you started with the smudged, sage, smudged, the white sage. I smudged, I smudged you guys off with tree grass so, so your your spirits are open to both entities and knowing that they, you acknowledge them, they acknowledge you. And then at the end, after a few prayers, I have saying silently, um, I burn a, a white sage, which keeps the good entities in and asks in a polite way for the others to step aside. Auguste, in my language, Auguste. Which means step aside. Okay, so you came in and you did each room in the house. Yes. Which got covered every person that was in the house yes. as well. And and then um, you said you can sense, you can feel yes. spirits. Yes. Do you feel anything weird in my house? <laughs> um, a couple of rooms. Uh, uh, two sparks fell off my, uh, my stage and one was in that room over here. 
and one was in the children's room. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, and three. One in the bathroom. The bath? My bathroom? That, that one over there. That oh, bathroom. the bathroom out yes. here. Okay. Yes. So it was over at that end of the house. Uh, Interesting. Probably, there's a lot of uh, angry in, energies there around here. Uh, oh. Maybe maybe uh, pent up, I say. Okay. Held, held back, repressed. And uh, by doing this burning stage, I think it allows them, allows them to... Uh, uh, you show themselves better, or you get to acknowledge that you know them better. Okay. Which is good. Uh, it's not a bad thing, but if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're nobody. Uh, true. When you have Father, Father's God, it's our Creator. Right. So, so, I don't even, so you, had, you also have your stick. Yes, I carve by hand, I carve um, different sticks, uh, walking sticks, canes. Um, I do it by, with files and, and knives. I don't use nothing else. And and is is what do you do with the walking stick? Is well, there is it just a walking stick or is there some? It's a walking sort of, stick, but you know the things I put on there. It's symbolic. Symbolic and, and things that I've thought about hard and just come out of me, but basically it's to go the wrong way up. See the red lip, and our, and the our, red arrow. Yeah, which means the red road. The red roads always going up and you're, you'll hear it in, your, in, in Native American uh, uh, talks and stuff that you got to be on the right the red road between the right road okay yeah. now when people talk to you do, do you have a title do you mm. yeah. nickname your stuff but you know I'm, I'm, I'm not a chief or nothing like that my mom and my aunt were my mom was a healer my aunt was a pretty much they call it in Spanish bruja which is a which type of person which which you know Everybody has witches. Good witch, bad witch. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I want a sandwich. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> a sandwich. <laughs> so, uh, same with with the males on the okay. side. My, my father's mother was a mine Indian. She was six foot one. Wow. My grandfather was from France. He was six foot. Okay, I'm what five seven five eight. My mother was five one, I think. But my mother's mother was five eleven. So, um, but. Through that, I, I, I'm covered by three different native natives of the country, the Mayans, and two different tribes of Apaches. Wow. My grandpa on my mom's side was a Cherokee. My grandmother on my mom's side was a uh, White Mountain Apache. So when, how old were you when you started doing the cleansing and working um, in that? Did you start at young? My aunt, which is the, the brew had, uh, she's gone now, bless her soul, but she, she taught us some mean, stern lessons, but you, things that you remember forever. Uh, don't think that's impossible because everything's possible. Mm -hmm. uh, my father used to tell me without communication, you don't, you can't understand each other. So you got to talk to people. Right. And my mom would just, you know, just, I was, I'm a mom's boy. I'm not going to lie. I have five sisters older. Mm -hmm. And they put into every torture you can think of. And that made me stronger. Oh, yeah. And resilient. With Believe five me. sisters, yeah. Oh, yeah. Believe me, I, I can cook, I can sew, I can iron with the best of them, I can pick out some curtains, but I don't give a <laughs> good lesson taught, oh yeah, they taught me a few, I can get, hand them out pretty good too. Wow. That's in anything, wisdom, you want wisdom, you want you want to get physical, have, have some energy, exert yourself, let's go. There's, there's all facets of um, being a native. Oh, yeah. So, you do this... Um, um, when people ask of me... When people get, ask? Yeah, when they're feeling pretty bad, when I see them hurting. Pretty much, um, I heal with my hands, always have, but I can also administer some uh, hurt. That's a real gift that you have. My mom, my mom taught me all that, and my aunt taught me to be stern. 
My pop taught me to have some guts and stay working. Right. Be part of society. Pay, pay him. You know, he had he had come from fourteen brothers, two sisters. His family, and uh, he raised us good. We thought we were poor because we ate meat, beans, and rice every day. And guess what? <laughs> we weren't. We had family. Um, I had great family upbringing. I mean, everything you think of. We had vacations. You know, and it's just sad when you can't. Myself, I'm talking mm-hmm. third person though. When you can't afford to do that for your children, and you and reminisce on what you do with your parents. And you know, it's a little bit too late for me. I'm, six, I'm gonna be 63. My youngest is 15, and my oldest twins are um, 39, 40 this year. Wow! And uh, took, I, me, took me this long to come back to where I used to be. Are you passing all of your your information, everything that you've known on? I try because I didn't bring my boys to be um, hand-on people, uh, moochers, uh, ha- hang on. I, I'm not moving until no. They're, they're, I took. They're action guys, and when you're an action person, you take care of your family. Right. You have it's sad to say, but you, you don't remember your parents. You don't remember your siblings. Um, maybe when you lay down, maybe you might have a fleet, well, sleep uh, moment fly past you, you know. But me, I remember all, I love my kids. Um, I, I, like I've kept my arms on I me. Mean, if somebody come on, it'd be terrible. It was like keep my kids away. It's like I love them so much, but it's hard sometimes. I, you know, I've been in prison, like I said. I'm not, I don't deny. I'm not shy. I'm ashamed of nothing. Um, but but it, it was a different rough world there. And there. That was a learning experience yes, for you. Yes, and if I can give any type of hand up or pep, pat on the back to people in the right way, cool, because you could be around a thousand people that are doing right and they're patting you on the back, but yet when you're alone, that's what really counts. What are you going to do then? You can't fool yourself. So you mentor a lot of people on... I try. Uh, a lot of people have come recently, even up to about three or four years ago, tell me, thank you. I go, for what? I've been in town for 60, almost six years in Lake Elsinore. And uh, a lot of people, younger guys that are now older, thanks, David, for what? For teaching us to stand up to people, to teach us at the boxing classes. Because I would go from boxing gym to boxing gym and just tell them they toughest guys and see what happened. Oh. I was learning a whole other thing with my cousins. This was a, a drum. Yes. It was, well, what, what do you call it? It's a drum, but yeah, it's they, got they, another name they, for it. Yeah, uh, Europeans have a name for tom-toms. But, tom-toms. You know, it's just a drum. It's a drum. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's water drums, which means you put a, a kettle that has water in it, you put a skin over it and beat it. Um, I had to make that quickly because my, my original drum got lost somewhere in Elsinore. And you think you're being channeled? Oh, yeah. That's it. And from your aunt? Yes, and my aunt. My aunt taught me how to repress and suppress things that I see and not to blur out because those energies are, real, are for real. My aunt taught me to see what I can't see and feel what I can't feel because entities are real. You got your family. Oh, I believe that. Ever. All right, so if anybody wanted to, to talk with you and meet with you, I guess they could, um, you have an email or would you like to have them? Contact us through through us through cords, vines, and dines. Yes, um, I do cleanse a lot of houses. I do do a lot of um, celebration of death, which people don't understand. Like somebody dies, what are you going to think about the sad stuff about it? No, you're going to think about happy stuff about right. it, and that's what gets you crying. What, you, what you're going to miss, but okay. that memory's there. Once that picture of your memory fades away, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. It's been totally fascinating watching you, <laughs> Thank you. And, and being part of this. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time and coming here. I, I, I enjoyed it when you 
asked me to come here. Wasn't that a very interesting conversation with him? I know you missed it, but I wish you could have made it because it was very, very exciting in a way to see this and to watch him. And he just really wants to help people. He's not like you hire him to come over for party tricks or anything like that. He's a generally nice guy that wants to help people and uh, mentors, like you said in the interview, mentors a few other people too that have issues and problems. So, Well, let's get on to our next guest, Kalae Parrish. He is, his music is it's country, Hawaiian country, I guess is yeah. the best way to describe it. And we're going to be showcase. well, we have showcased part of one of his songs, These Islands. And we're going to, let's go into our conversation with him. And right after that, we will go into uh, his song, Must Be the Rain. And we're going to he end lives the in show white. with go ahead. song. We're going to end the show with uh, the rest of these islands. You'll get to hear it all. We just listened to a little blurb in the beginning. He lives in Waimea, so I think that sounds like another road trip. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to Hawaii so bad. <laughs> I think you deserve it. I do. I deserve a trip to Hawaii. But anyway, oh, when do you want to do our uh, our food? Team of food? Okay, we'll our do that after food. we uh, after we have our visit with Kalae. All right, let's go right on to Kalae. We are very excited to have Kalae Parrish uh, on our show right now. Um, Aloha. 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 Thank you. I've heard all these wonderful things about you through your um, manager, Jim, and and I've known him for many years, so I'll, I know that when he represents somebody that you've got to be good, and when I've listened to your music, you are absolutely excellent. Um, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> How did you get started playing the music, performing? Performing? Well, I, I watched my dad perform in... Um you know, around town on Oahu where I grew up, um, you know, in little bars and whatnot. So my dad used to take us, take me and my siblings to his gigs and he'd set up the sound system early in the day. We'd have to go in and set up, he'd do the gig. And the next day we'd have to help him break down all his wires and whatnot. So that's kind of where it started with my dad kind of teaching me a little bit of ukulele growing up. And then when I got into um, college, I started, I started really songwriting. I uh, moved home after college in 2013, had all these bunch of songs, and I decided that I still wanted to continue. Um, I wanted to pursue music in some way, and I, I wanted to, um, really, I wanted to write songs. I kept writing songs. Um, I started a little group with my brother and one of my friends, um, and we got some nice radio play at the local radio stations, and um, maybe, what, what year was it exactly? In 2000. And 18, I released my first single, Island Life, mm. as a solo artist. And that's when I started my, my real solo journey. And i kind of been on that path ever since. Um, but while I was, I went to school in Oregon. And while I was in Oregon, you know, and growing, we, we grew up in the countryside. My grandpa was a pig farmer. My, my grandpa on my dad's side had a farm on the big island. So that was like my country influence. And while I was in Oregon, too, I guess everyone really loves 
country music. <laughs> so I really got caught up in that with my friends up in Oregon. So I started singing it more, and when I perform at weddings, I'd always sing all these country love songs, which kind of tied into my my um, my writing. Um, as soon as I moved home, I, I started riding horses more, and I, I started um, doing the ranch thing um, on my own, and moved up to Waimea, and you know, lifestyle and music kind of just came all together. Waimea is such a gorgeous spot. Is that where you live now? Yep, that's where I currently live now. Uh, that was, Waimea was my dream destination where I wanted to end up, and I don't want to raise my family. So, yeah, um, love it. Love it. I'm very fortunate to live in. Um, I guess it may, might be arguable, but I believe it's God's country. <laughs> Are you not going to get an argument from me, Kalai? No, me neither. <laughs> you paint such a beautiful picture already with, uh, for what you're saying. And, and gosh, I, I miss Hawaii. I haven't been there in years. i got to go back. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It, 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 it's, a, it's a nice thing. It ties into the music completely. When I moved home, it was kind of like my way in 2013. It was like I was learning all over again to fall in love with Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And I'll fall in love with um, not just home and, um, you know, being with my family and being the gratitude of being with my family and being on the islands, but actually like diving into all things Mauka and Makai, you know, from mountain to the ocean. And, and mm -hmm. that really started influencing my music when I started. You know, I'm, I'm an avid hunter. Um, we ride horses every other day. <laughs> you know, we're, we're constantly working young horses. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely um, Aina or land people, me and my friends and um, my family. And um, I, I knew I wanted to live that way. And I, I totally applied myself into that. And... Naturally, when you surround yourself in that, you just start writing that way, you know? You write, it's it's um, very, even people who um, sing traditional Hawaiian music, a lot of times they're writing, they're writing about places they've been, and they're inspired in that way, and um, my music is definitely that. Um, it may not all be Olalo Hawaii, but it is, it is definitely um, with a Hawaiian mindset. So when you were in college, um, was that your, your I'm trying to think, Motivation. I mean, your, your songwriting. What what motivated you in college? Was it thinking back on the islands, or was there something else? What what um, inspired you? I, I, I think definitely was. It, you know, while, while I was in college, you have a lot of alone time, and I just had me and my guitar. It's actually when I first started really learning guitar because no one had. A lot of my friends they had guitars. They didn't have ukuleles. So that's when I started really like sitting by myself and picking up the guitar and trying to learn the instrument better. Um, and I, I think it was that gratitude. You know, I'd go home and visit, and every time I went home and visit for like a week, and I'd come back um, back to Oregon. I was you, you developed this sense of true sense of gratitude of home, and then I started really um, feeling the the pride of where I where I come from and. You know where I'm fortunate to say I'm from, which is Hawaii, and um, it, when you had that self-reflection while you're away from home, you just miss it, and it's almost like it's almost like home draw, draws to you. You know, it's like pulling you back in, which started making me think more about home. So I started writing about it. You know, you're kind of writing down your thoughts um, all the time, and that's where I probably wrote a lot of songs just having that free time missing home on my own. Wow. That's... In, 
in your process of songwriting, do you find that you start with lyrics and then add a melody, or is it the other way around? Cool. Um, great question. I actually do both. Um, sometimes I, I have an idea and I'll be and I and I'll, I just I, I work at the idea. Majority of the time, though, honestly, majority of the time, the melody comes to me first, mm -hmm. and it's usually because I'm inspired by a situation, a conversation, or a place I am, or something I'm doing, and I just have this tune in my head, and I'll, you know, and I'll just keep singing it to myself. Oh, I'm just, I'm really lost in, in just listening to you. I, I keep, like, you, uh, like I said, painting a picture of Hawaii, and I can just hear your music, uh, <laughs> and thinking about the island at the same time. Um, yeah. We interviewed, uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Michael Paulo. Yes, yes. I yeah, have, he, he actually played on one of my tracks. It's my Alan, cool. He's yeah. a good friend of ours. Oh, yeah. Michael's awesome. And uh, Henry Capono, too, is also. Oh, yes. No, I'm playing very well. Yeah, so um, uh, we've interviewed them before, but I think, you know, listening to you and your talk uh, on the island, I just, I don't even have to really hear your music, but I do hear it in my head and and, uh -huh. and the and the island at the same time. So um, you're in Vegas right now. Are you on yes. tour? No, not at the moment. I just it's just a quick visit, a quick visit to Vegas, and then um, I gotta head and then I head back to tonight. Oh, okay. How many albums have you put out so far? So so far, I've only had my my EP um, where I reside, and that was. I released that in 2020, 2020, and I won my first Nahoku Hanohano Award for that album in 2021 for EP of the Year. Wow. Congratulations. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. It was, it was awesome. All I wrote every every song on that on that track, um, which is probably what I was most proud of, is that I, I wrote every single song. It's my thoughts. It's my manao. You know, it's it's. I was kind of sharing a piece of who I am. Um, and that was my introduction to people on what they can expect from me in the future. And I'm currently working on my next album. That's oh boy. And I'm also working on um, dual EP with my wonderful wife, Kalena mm. Parrish. And um, she's also formerly with the group Capenna. Um, Kelly Boy is um, her father. And um, yeah, so me and her have been doing our own dual project. And it's and we're having fun. And that, that should release this year as well. Well, that's what it should be. You should be having fun, especially when you're performing with your wife. That's great. If you're not it's, having fun, you're not doing it right. No, <laughs> exactly. We we truly enjoy it, and you know, it's 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 nice for me because she plays with me regardless if it's you know this my show or if it's our show. And it's either way, we love it. Like we support each other, um, one hundred and ten percent all the way, and um, it's 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 very it's very. It's a good feeling having that support from your other half. Um, she's amazing. Oh, and, oh um, yeah. Yeah. And now, if you, songs. If you yes. weren't a musician, what would you have been? What would I have been? I, my dream was always to be a farmer. <laughs> I wanted <laughs> to be a farmer. And I have, we, we have like a little, at our place in Waimea, we have a little small little, I don't know if you would want to call it a farm, but we have pigs. We have pigs. We have a couple horses. We have a few cows and you know, real, real small, just, just for us. Now that, that was kind of always my dream of what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a little farmer. Um, I also, and I'm still, I still am currently, but I'm also, I was, um, 
with Hawaiian Airlines as a flight attendant for years. Wow. Like over a decade now. And um, yeah, so that's kind of something I've always done. But my true dream was always to be a, a farmer slash musician or musician slash farmer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a well, we'll describe, we'll put that in your bio for this show, farmer, exactly. <laughs> musician yeah, slash yeah, farmer. Yeah. Yeah. I always felt that if I, if I, if I could be a, if I could be a part-time cowboy and um, play music, I, I'll, I'll die a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time, uh, and hopefully when you get your next album out, that we can talk again and share some more of your, your music. Yes, yes, I'd love that. And uh, where can people find your music now? You have a website or Spotify? Or where yes, you? You, you can find it on my website at um, kalaimusic.com. There's no Okina in Kalai, so it's spelled out kalaimusic.com. You can also check me out on Instagram and Facebook, Kalai Music. Um, hmm. My music is on, on all digital platforms, YouTube, Spotify, you name it, and um yeah, go check it out. Well, and that's K-A-L-A-E, correct? Yes. Perfect. Kalani, thank you so very much for your time, and we look forward to meeting you and uh, hearing you perform. Yes, thank you. No, uh, same here. And I'll be uh, looking uh, for you. I'm, I'm going to go to Facebook and Instagram and find you and friend you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a safe trip home. Mahalo. Mahalo to you. Thank you. Falling tired Direct to my brain Who would have thought That missing you This much would stay Maybe if I close my eyes It might go away I hope the storm Don't stay It must be the rain Dropping at night Making me miss our best times and every single thing you did to make my life change It must have been that fire I felt from your lips the very first time Taste your kiss and every part of my body never felt the same It must be the rain It must be the rain Go toss and turn on an empty bed Remember it was me and you, not just me instead Water flows down from my pillow Wish I could drown this in my head And forget it, yeah But the storm still rages It must be the rain Dropping that night, making me miss our best times And every single thing you did to make my life strange It must have been that fire fell from your lips the very first time Taste your kiss and every part of my body never felt the same It 
talent and I can't wait to really listen to all of his music you know we've just heard a couple of bits and pieces and but uh, I want to hear um, I think he said he has a couple EPs if I remember correctly does that sound yes. right yes so are you ready well, for the game of food oh I guess so you always and, kick me in this one no no you won last time I'm going to let you kick it off because you have the cards in front of you I have to pull them up on my phone Okay. Nearly every banana we eat is a clone of this cultivar. Okay. I know, I know. I know, oh, I know. God. What Cavendish. Is it? Cavendish. Yes. Uh, ingredients. You ready? Okay. How long does chewing gum stay in your stomach? <laughs> is it A, two to four hours, B, two to one to two days, C, oh seven to ten days, or D, two to four months? Um, well, <laughs> well, how long does chewing gum stay in your stomach? Okay, give me those answers again. Okay, A is two to four hours, B, one to two days, C, seven to ten days, D, two to four months. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I'll go with B. One to two days. Ding, 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 hey, ding, ding, ding. So we have a tie. Pretty cool. We have a tie. We'll have to do a tiebreaker when you get back. Okay, that's a deal. Let's uh, let's meet our next friend, uh, Paul Kalem Kiarian, who is the owner of uh, Wine of the Month Club, and as uh, you'll you'll hear, he's he's sold it, but their new owner's coming in. He knows them very well, and. Uh, I think members of the Wine of the Month Club really aren't going to notice any changes at all. Right. I can't wait to meet him, go out there and meet him. He's a great guy. How many many different wines has he tasted, you said? Over 100,000. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And, uh, yeah, he he knows what he's doing, and 
he can pretty much dial you into. I, I love you'll hear him talk about honest wine, and uh, I, I really enjoy how he describes honest wine. Right. Oh yeah, that was very good interview and very good. And um, and then after that, we're just going to go right into finish up with these islands. Sounds good? good to me. Let's All go right, visit Delton. Very safe road trip home. Thank you. Give my love to Andy and everybody. And uh, absolutely. And thanks again to our official produce sponsor, Melissa's Produce, melissas.com. Sounds wonderful. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Kat. Well, I am delighted to uh, welcome back an old friend, and I uh, certainly do consider you a friend, Paul. We've known each other for probably 10, 12 years, wouldn't you say? I would say that. I, I think you might have been one of the first sort of influencer types uh, that's been on my show. Yeah, so uh, your uh, Wine of the Month Club reached out to me, I think, and said, would you like to do a story about Paul? And I said, why not? And I think we visited on the phone, and then I, I came out and we uh, tasted some wines and did a video at your place. And uh, so it's it's been fun, and I'm glad we've stayed in contact through the years. I've been following you. <laughs> Does that uh, translate to stalking? Stalking, yeah. <laughs> so, Wine stalking. What I remember, Paul, is that your dad started this, and that was the very first Wine of the Month Club, correct? That is true. Out of 1972, out of a wine shop in Palos Verdes Estates, uh, you know, it was it was sort of a, you know, kind of serendipitous start because um, Palos Verdes was known for the executives of the aerospace industry. There are a lot of high-end uh, drinkers there. I mean, drinkers like, you know, alcoholics, but <laughs> drinkers. And... Uh, he actually figured out that people that came into the wine shop were having fun and wanted to, you know, party. And everybody that walked into his pharmacy was sick and hurting. And he realized, gee, it's kind of more fun to sell alcohol than drugs. So <laughs> he caught on. Uh, he got he got the concept quickly, didn't he? Yes, yeah, so it didn't take a whole lot. So he just started choosing wines every month. In fact, the first four wines in 1972 were four Grand Cru Wow. And they were they were six dollars and forty nine cents. <laughs> that price tag has gone up just to, just as gross, hasn't it? <laughs> so yeah, I had a Grand Cru the other night. I'm sure I paid like a hundred dollars for it. So yeah. Uh, so that's what happened, and then people started moving from the aerospace firms. They left El Segundo. They would go to like Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and, and he uh, would go with them virtually through shipping wine there. And all of a sudden, born was this idea of you could ship wine in the mail. Back then, of course, I think the rules existed, but nobody cared. <laughs> and now that, yeah, now that's they, a they $3 billion dollar industry. Yeah. Now they care. <laughs> and uh, also going from memory, I think, um, you know, you, you stepped in uh, where your dad took off. And I believe you personally taste every wine that you uh, offer on the site, don't you? Well, that's interesting because I was telling the story the other day. Back in the 70s, you know, if the liquor guy came into the wine shop or the liquor store and was selling the Jack Daniels, and he would say, oh, I'm going to, here's some J JD, and uh, by the way, you're going to put the Robert Madavi cab on the shelf. And my dad says, no, I'm going to start tasting these things. So he started, <laughs> you know, it was Tuesdays too, which is my current tasting day. But I was fortunate enough to go upstairs in the loft and set up the set up the tastings, and he would invite the doctors that supported the pharmacy 
and they would taste wines and those would become the wine of the month. And my, how you've grown since then, right? It, uh, you know, we've, we've had a great run. Uh, we've had a really great time. I've curated probably 20 billion bottles of wine. I've, wow. I know I've wow. tasted a hundred thousand different wines and, you know, the storytelling behind the proper wine. I have a new thing, Tom. I call it an honest glass of wine. Mm. Tell me more. And I think it's reflecting on all the stuff you see on the shelf, all the Cali Reds and the Apothic Reds, and what they now call formula wines. Yes. It didn't exist years ago. And so here, the wine industry is crafting wines around the palates of Americans. And I think that's, you know, from a marketing standpoint, it certainly makes sense. But from the value of a glass of wine, is that an honest glass of wine? It's, it's being manipulated to taste in a certain direction. Not in my book, it isn't. Yeah, I don't think so, right? So you really, you, you have different levels of wine. I mean, you have uh, value wines and you go on up to uh, some of the finer Napa cabs and uh, French... Uh, Burgundies and Bordeaux and uh, Premier Cru, all, all of that, don't you? We have it all. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, Burgundies are a very, very expensive habit. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the interesting thing about wine in that price range, in all price ranges, there's certainly wonderful seller stars in any range of wine that you want to buy. And there are actually, going back to the term honest wines, in every category. It's just knowing which they are trusting let's say your local wine shop or your department manager of your local market to guide you in those directions to find the stuff that really represents something you know some place or some time or some grape you know and with all the wines out there today it, it, it's a daunting task to uh, to taste through everything and to separate the honest wines from the ones that are like you said manipulated it's not an easy job you know, in the, it's funny, we, like, we have the statistics here. It's, it's, we added a layer of statistics. When my dad was doing this, basically, um, he would reject about 85% of imported wines and about 90%, I mean, about 75% of domestic wines. But what, that shifted here since I've tasted wines. Now, now it's like I look at whether the wine was curated by a proper distributor or supplier. So those those wines I tend to approve more like 20 percent of the ones i've tasted versus now that there's the brokerages and there's bottom fishing uh representatives that go out to scour the, the wine world for whatever they can find and i reject about i don't know like 95 percent of those wines because they're just just not very good and unfortunately they will end up on the shelf somewhere yeah they sure will Somebody, yeah somebody's gonna buy them right and <clears throat> Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who just plain don't know too much about wine, and they'll say, well, this is fine. This is fine. Is that a good way to buy a wine? This is fine? Uh, <laughs> not not for me, but I mean, you know as well as I do that those folks are out there. Uh, this will do. <laughs> it's like when they say not bad, and I go, don't ever, I don't care whether it's not bad or however you want to use the term, but do not use the word bad in any sense when you're trying to evaluate or discuss a wine. Uh, that you want to drink that's what i say that's not a good word to use in in that uh no so paul how many years now have you been heading the company i just crossed over my 35th year wow i tell you that story 
Um, I spent about um, six to nine months with my dad uh, tasting and going through the procedures and how to build customers. I packed the wine for six months. And one day we went to a tasting with a Bordeaux taster. We got separated. There were about 25 wines. But we were in different parts of the building, so we couldn't see each other. When we got in the car, we opened our, our notes up, and we used a three-point rating system. One means can't use not good enough. Two means um, that it's pretty good the way it is. You know, it, it would probably work at the price. And then three means that the price is a little better than we, the value would be there. And we we were exactly the same on 23 of the 25 ones. That's remarkable. I mean, that, you, yeah. <laughs> so I think you kind of learned a little bit from him. Well, I suppose, you know, being a chemist, you tasted a lot of, my mom used to say, come up and smell like cough syrup when he came back from work. <laughs> so it seems, um, you know, he decided at that point that this was a uh, proper transition. And he, he, he says he sold me the company for a dollar, but that's not true. I paid him for 25 years. Very, absolutely. <laughs> and so speaking of selling, I, I hear that you, you, you have sold the company and you're uh, moving on to different pastures. That's true. We've uh, the, the world of e-commerce wine. Everything's changed. Uh, post-pandemic world is just too confusing. Uh, we've learned a lot. We know a lot, and we decided we we're going to let somebody else take the the, the rain, reins. And so it's going to be um, run by the Gold Medal Wine Club, which is an old-time competitor of mine, but one of the great buyers in this town. Her name is Shelby. She's I've been sort of battling with her for years uh, off and on between trying to get a hold of certain vintages that she wanted and I wanted but uh, great organization they know what they're doing they're doing very exhaustive uh, research to make sure that we're compatible with each other and then uh, also working on export and so I have some clients that are looking to send containers to Asia they want to make wines I can do that here at my office I have about seven different wine licenses so we'll be embarking on that project but more importantly is the podcast wine talks with paul k and the tv show that i'm pimping tell me about your tv show paul well much like you tell me you sort of have these conversations and you're talking about wine with people and you start hearing these stories and i realized i've heard you know after a hundred thousand wines probably around a hundred thousand stories and <laughs> so some are more compelling than others but i kind of think that we've sort of self-propagate the aristocracy of wine through the master psalms talking about the or any psalm actually talking about the cedar they smell or the texture of the wine or the soil and people don't you know it's hard to grasp what that means but in the meantime there is incredible stories of wine and culture that have you know perpetrated through the centuries uh, you know, Attila the Hun waging war on the vineyards of Champagne, in the vineyards of Champagne, the, the Nazis taking over the four main regions of wine in France. And, and you know, there, I don't know if you know this, there was a standing order for 1,500,000 bottles of Champagne per month uh, from the Nazis' uh, executive group that they that had to be fulfilled by the, the Champagne houses. That's a lot of juice. So stored, yeah, isn't that crazy? I want to tell these stories. Some of them are going to have to be reenactments or animations or something, or others are live. You know, there'll be current studies of things that are going on in the wine trade that I hope inspire people to realize that wine is 
about the story. That's what prompted me to start Winormous, is I wanted to tell the stories. There are uh, millions of people out there who could probably do wine reviews better than I could even hope to, but I want to find the stories and tell them. So, so, you, so you made a good point there, the wine reviews. I mean, um, I think that's overdone. It is. The consumers are such a disadvantage to walk into a market and not choose, and try not to choose what they always buy. In other words, how would you choose anything but what you always buy when you're looking at this congested shelf of shelf talkers? You were talking about <clears throat> review notes of cedar and uh, whatnot. My, my favorite all-time came from wine enthusiast, and this had to have been 15 years ago. This this wine has notes of soapy incense, or soapy wildflowers and church incense. Huh? <laughs> soapy wildflowers. <laughs> and, you know, that's the kind of thing that somebody has to go, I don't know what you're talking about. And if I'm supposed to know what you're talking about, I feel intimidated. <laughs> exactly. I mean, let, right? Let's talk in simple language that people understand. And I think when they hear the source of this, uh, what they, again, what I call an honest glass of wine, that when you hear those sources and what the winemaker um, is expressing, that, you know, this whole idea that wine is to express a time and a place, when you start doing that, that's when people start to go, hmm, this is pretty good. This is pretty interesting. And they start, they, on their own, start realizing there's some character there that is not sugared up, you know, Cali red, right? Exactly. You know, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> exactly. Oh my, yeah, 19 crimes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's the word. It's another gimmick. But, but... I suppose, or maybe you can shed some light on this yourself, that you know, these are could be entry-level wines for people that eventually realize later that they're not that interesting and complex, all the things that we, we expect with a wine, and they move on, and maybe that's what the purpose is. Well, that leads me to a story of a, a visit I had to Paso Robles several years ago. I was at a winery called Zen Alley. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Oh, yeah. Somebody came in and said to the owner, winemaker, he said, doesn't it drive you crazy when you see people drinking, drinking white Zinfandel? He said, are you out of your mind? He said, they're going to start drinking that, and then they're going to say, well, I want to try something else. He says, they'll, they'll come over. They'll become good wine drinkers. No, I think it's wonderful. I think that's valid. And I, I think that's what Bob Trincaro's you know, invention of white Zinfandel in 1974 did. It brought people to the table that would have been there before. It, it did create sort of a problem with most pink wines after that because everybody thinks they're sweet and now we know Provence wines are drier and they're oh. more, you know, more elegant but but yeah I think you're right I think people are coming to the table and they switch gears on you know eventually you have to feel like that I'm not getting out of this glass of wine what I used to and let me try something else yep exactly so your uh, podcast is wine talks with uh, Paul K is that correct Wine Talks with Paul K. There's like 300 episodes up there now. And uh, we, we, the season 15 we're into right now, we're trying to work the periphery of the industry. In other words, not just winemakers and hear their philosophy, but like yesterday, I did a podcast with a mergers and acquisition woman in Europe, and she buys and sells, not buys, she sells for clients, wineries. So whether wow. it's Chianti or, or, uh, or Pimonte or, Burgundy or Bordeaux, and 
fascinating conversation about the differences in what people are looking for when they when they initially inquire into buying wine in Europe, different than America. So I'm trying to get to the periphery of the subject of wine. So people like barrel making would be another sort of periphery subject that we want to talk about. And people have questions on, but never get a chance to ask them. Well, I certainly am going to tune in and urge our listeners to do the same. Kat, did you have anything you wanted to ask our friend Paul? No, I think you guys have covered it all. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing. I mean, it, that was pretty efficient, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was excellent. I, I mean, I have no questions. It was wonderful. Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate the time anytime. And I would uh, would love to come pay you a visit if that uh, can happen sometime. Anytime you head about 210 freeway, uh, you know, near Arcadia, Pasadena, just text me. I'll be here. Sounds good, Paul. You take good care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. Enjoy. Something in your eyes that's making me miss Sweet music for the soul, sidelines for a show Crystal clear the waters with a never-ending flow Here we go! These islands, these islands are calling me home Slow down the clock, sand in my toes Fill up this cup and never let this day end These islands, these islands are calling again Yeah, that sounds nice What about some Kahlua pig? Show you on the rice A trek through the mountains On a good horse I know Tequila and music Backyard like a groom Now if your dream is to stay home forever Then just don't leave If you need me to sing These islands, these islands Are calling me home Fun in the sun Family you know Fill up that cup and go back
Hi, this is Vince Mendoza, and you are listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines. Jahe, 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 Hey, 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 Jahe, 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 Jahe,